But Justin Feinstein's study found an 82% of the people who had high anxiety um, reported that the float tank was more useful than other psychotherapy drugs. Welcome to the Against the Herd podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nick Bostead. Uh, today we are covering sensory deprivation, or in other words, sensory deprivation tanks or float tanks as they are commonly known as. Um, I have been using float tanks for six, seven years now and find them monumentally helpful for my mental health. They are increasing in popularity rapidly and today we're going to take a quick dive to see why. As with the most of our podcasts, we're going to first go over a bit of the history of float tanks. Uh, secondly, we'll go over why it works based on research, uh, peer-reviewed research. And thirdly, we will go over how you may implement it in your daily life. So let's get started. Float tanks. What are they? It's a very simple premise. Uh, it's sensory deprivation. Sensory deprivation means you are depriving yourself of all senses. So what one does in a sensory deprivation tank is they go in, um, they lay in a pool with a very high concentration of Epsom salt, which causes them to float in the water. So you're laying in a shallow pool of water about a foot deep. You're floating in that water. The water is raised to the temperature of your skin, which is around 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's the exact temperature of your skin. So you can't really feel. You're suspended, but you can't really feel that you're in anything. Um, you know you're in salt water if you accidentally touch your eye or something. Um, and then you're in an enclosed space, sometimes a pod or a room, uh, something of that nature. You typically wear earplugs, both to keep sound out and to keep salt out of your ears, and there is uh, no light as well. There are lights when you get in, um, but there are no lights from then on. People stay in these float tanks 30, 60, 90 minutes, uh, sometimes more depending on the application, and people report feeling a lot of benefits from this. Uh, as I said, I've experienced some of those myself. So today we're going to go into a bit uh, why you may use this technique or why this may be a protocol that benefits you. But first, we'll start off, as we always do, with a bit of the history of float tanks. And they have a bit of an interesting history, uh, a bit of a, a rocky past. So it, they were first developed in the 60s, 50s, and 60s, but it was very rough. Uh, it was nothing like what we have today. People were in a, like a scuba tank helmet, uh, basically underwater with it shut and, and you know, sounds more like a, a torture device than, than anything that would be used uh, for therapeutic benefit. Uh, but then in the 1970s, Glenn Perry and John Willey uh, created the horizontal uh, float tanks, so the horizontal Epsom salt float tanks that we are very familiar with today. Um, in the you know 60s and 70s, it was kind of associated with the uh, you know some of the the LSD type experiments that were coming out uh, along the time, and and seen as more of a fringe thing. It was never you know really mainstream. Uh, by any sense of the word, word. Uh, but it has existed since then. It's existed for quite a, a while, and um, one of the first studies I found was in 1984 from Jacobs, Heilbronner, and Staley, uh, which showed that it decreased blood pressure. So, yeah, it's something that's been uh, around for a while. Um, research coming out in the 80s on it, but this really started to take off in the last decade or so, 10 or 15 years, uh, a lot more of these float tank facilities have 
come online, um, and a lot more research has followed that as well. So that's a, a bit bit of the history into uh, flotation and float tanks. Uh, but next, we'll look into some of the uh, the therapeutic benefits. Now, why it works is there, there's a many layers to this, and and there's not one exact reason why it works. Um, it also ties a lot in with mindfulness and meditation, which we will circle back to. But uh, what does the research say? What does the research say that some of the effects of this practice are? Elgren in 2014 was the start uh, of some of this research. Um, she, you know, went, she and Jessica Westman went into a bit of the altered states of consciousness that are perceived within a float tank. Uh, they categorized it in a few different ways and showed that there was some you know, anecdotal evidence behind people with uh, burnout, chronic depression, chronic stress, uh, those type of items. Then in 2018, uh, Justin Feinstein published a, a very well-regarded study on anxiety with float tanks. Um, anxiety is a massive problem in the United States, as we know. Um, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 19.1% of uh, the United States has anxiety, and only 36% are treated for it. So about a fifth of the population has this, and of that fifth who have it, only about a third are treated for it. So clearly something that you know, we've got a long way to go with in terms of treatment, uh, but Justin Feinstein's study found an 82% uh, of the people who had high anxiety um, reported that the float tank was more useful than other psychotherapy drugs. What they did, again, it was a randomized double-blind uh, study. They had people who were low anx no anxiety, low anxiety, high anxiety. They had all different types of people uh, use float tanks versus using more traditional medications versus using nothing. And the high anxiety group is the one that found by far the most benefit from the study. Um, qualitatively, many mentioned that it was like uh, you know, some of the drugs they had been on before. And not only did, again, 82% of them said that, that it was as useful as drugs, but they also found that the effects were long-lasting. They did a follow-up about six months after the initial study, and they found that those people with the high anxiety who used the float tank were doing better than the other groups in the study. So uh, very interesting data relating to anxiety and stress. Um, and there's a lot more research to come. So wh why does it work? What's, what's going on in this, in this dark room where you're, you're in a tank doing absolutely nothing? Um, and again, I'll speak some from my personal experience having done this quite a bit. But what tends to happen is you get in, you lay down, and you start thinking your daily thoughts. Think your daily thoughts and, and you know about your life and uh, what is this dark room? What if I have to get out? There's you know some baseline thoughts there, uh, but then you start to run out of things to think about. You start to clear your mind a bit, and again you'll you'll think through the minutia of your day. You'll start to think through some other things. Uh, you may even think of uh, you know things that are in the background, things that may be bothering you that you haven't weren't realizing bothered you uh, maybe a fight with a family member or a friend um, or something like that but uh, near the end or once you you know allow yourself to enter that state of, of deep relaxation and, and thinking about nothingness uh, is when you really start to again not feel the effects right there but you kind of feel like you're in this uh, altered state and again it's it's you know you start to see images in your eyes um, it's a very 
in a very trippy state, you could say, to use a, a common colloquial term. Um, and the most interesting part about the floating experience, and again, this is from my personal experience as well as what we, we heard from Feinstein, is that after you get out of the floating, when you first step out into whatever room you're in, it feels like you just took a two-week vacation. I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulder and I'm completely at peace, completely relaxed. You are so relaxed to the point where a lot of these uh, flotation you know, uh, providers will have chill-out rooms. I've been to three now that have this exact same concept where they have low lighting and a bunch of soft chairs, a bunch of nice books to read uh, because it's so jarring to go back out into your daily life, even driving after it, which for me, I'm a huge car guy. If you know me, I I run a car dealership. Um, Driving in the car after a float tank is, is almost difficult and, and jarring because you are, are so detached from reality. That's the only time where you can really detach yourself from, you know, both the external stimuli of the world, your phone constantly going off, you know, constantly being plastered with things, as well as from your senses as well. And that really lends itself uh, to being able to put yourself in a better state of mind. There have been, again, anecdotally and research-based ideas about it helping sleep. Uh, People are known to sleep much better right after they get out of a float tank and, you know, has a lot of benefit um, for that regard. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up when talking about float tanks is... Our, the podcast, the Against the Herd podcast, has done a, quite a bit lately with uh, meditation and mindfulness. A couple of the guests we've had on, one being Nina Perjwal, a New York Times uh, bestselling author on mindfulness, as well as Cortland Dahl, um, somebody doing some research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, who also leads uh, one of the largest meditation groups, international meditation groups that follows, follows uh, Minger Rinpoche, a very well-regarded lama. Uh, and again, more on that in those podcasts. But in my opinion... A float tank is essentially forced meditation. Meditation is all about clearing your mind, uh, not being altered by external stimuli, and you know, counting your breaths is a common, a very common, kind of the most basic form of meditation is just counting your in-breaths, counting your out-breaths, and it, trying not to think about anything else. You always do, especially when you start to meditate, think about other things, but you try to bring yourself to that center where you're thinking about nothing. And when you're in a float tank, you have no choice but to return to uh, thinking about nothing because there's nothing coming at you to think about or do. Um, so in my opinion, and I, I've kind of tied those, those two together, and a ton of research on why meditation is useful, right? There's um, there's a lot of literature on you know meditation, its effects, drastic effects on the way it changes brain structure. Um, so I, I kind of view this as hand in hand with that, because um, I can't fathom going in a float tank and you know doing arithmetic the whole time or watching a movie like that would completely defeat the purpose uh, of it. You know, that meditation aspect is really what I believe drives a lot of the positive changes that we see from it. So that's, again, 
we've talked a little bit about the history. We've talked a bit about, you know, why it may work, um, both my ideas and some things that are addressed by the research. Now, the last thing is, how do you implement this into your daily life? Um, and this one's tough. Now, you could do, you know, sensory deprivation like lying on your bed. Again, that would be a form of meditation. I think that could tie in well. But the only real way to do this would be to go to a place that has a float tank. Um, there's a lot of them around. If you Google float tank near me, I guarantee that there will be one uh, within an easily drivable distance from you. Um, that's you know, not the cheapest thing in the world, but if you get a, a package, you know, you can try it for a time or two, maybe 50 bucks for an hour session or so, uh, should be around what you pay. Um, some places include like massages with it and other spa type treatments. You can certainly do those if you like that sort of thing, but I, of course, I'm talking just about the float tank aspect of it. And a couple of tips I would give to make it a good experience when you first go. Um, number one, keep in mind about the meditation. Know that your thoughts are going to race when you first get in. Um, try to move very slowly and deliberately. It's not a race. You can get there a little bit early. Um, it doesn't matter if you're not in for the full amount of time. I'm a very value-driven person, so one of my uh, mistakes I made was rushing to get in and then splashing water in my eyes. Uh, by the way, that highly concentrated Epsom salt solution that you lay in will burn your eyes very badly uh, if they get in. So not not something that you want to experience. Something Most places have a neck support as well. It kind of sits behind your head and, and supports your neck. Uh, I recommend using that i personally like it but again it's whatever whatever you feel comfortable with you know laying in a floating in water is an odd sensation especially if you haven't felt it before and you can feel that your um, head is too far back by the way one other study i just remembered showed that float tanks were helpful for physical uh, ailments specifically people with whiplash so uh, again it's it's actually very healthy for your spine to be in this this floating uh, position as well so uh, my tips when you first go you know, go in with an open mind. Um, don't expect the world from it. Just move slowly when you're in there. Um, don't freak out about, you know, getting salt in your eyes. Um, you can try getting in and out a couple of times when you first get in, just so you know that it's not going to entrap you or you're not going to have any uh, very negative effects from that. And be open-minded. See what happens. Uh, if it's something that you find benefits you, you can incorporate it into a you know weekly or monthly or practice. Most places have a subscription-based model that makes it very reasonable uh, to go back. I myself do it bi-weekly. So bi-weekly, I will go usually on a day off, perhaps a Sunday morning. I like to clear my head in the beginning of a morning. Uh, but I go, clears the head, and I can tell a noticeable difference when I don't go for a few weeks. Um, I work a very stressful job. I, I run a car dealership in this stage of growth. Um, so there's a lot of things going on during the week. And this is one way that I really can focus on myself. Um, you know, great way to, to get some self-care in there and it honestly helps me perform better too. I've actually thought about, you know, I've had a complex problem at work, something that I know isn't quite right or something I want to design a process around to make better. I'll actually use the float tank for some time to just have a nice uninterrupted think session. So, um, you know, it does not just have to be thinking about nothing. Uh, you can certainly, you know, work out some, some kinks in your life as well. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'd recommend. Go in with an open mind, um, and you know, see if it's something that is useful for you. Given the research around it and the low cost of entry to try it, it's something that I would certainly recommend at least trying. Um, in case you're curious, the pods, a lot of the pods are the cheaper ways to get into floating. Those are pretty expensive, $3,000, $4,000, something to be aware of. Um, but again, getting a subscription is not the cheapest thing in the world, um, but it's not you know overly expensive. And for me, I find that the cost greatly outweighs the benefit. So hopefully through this short little introduction to sensory deprivation takes, you've learned uh, a bit about the history of them, um, you know, how they came about, uh, more importantly, why they work. We've got a, a ton of research on, you know, some unique effects of sensory deprivation, uh, as well as thinking about it as, as a forced meditation and all of the benefits that come with meditation. Um, something that if you're feeling overwhelmed with your life, uh, need some space to think, you know, suffer from any ailments such as, you know, anxiety, depression, or, or the like, which are very common nowadays. And as I mentioned earlier, not quite often treated appropriately or as appropriately as we would like. So hopefully you found this useful. And if you uh, end up going to a float tank, I hope you greatly enjoy your session.